What is another woman's perspective of recovery? We're so glad that you're here because you're choosing to thrive in your relationship. Guys, welcome to The Betrayed, The Addicted, and The Expert, a Beyond Enough production. Hi, I'm Ashlyn, the once betrayed. I'm Kobe, the once addicted. And I'm Brandon, the expert. And he's definitely an expert. You've been working to help couples with their extreme challenges for like 15 years, right? Yeah, a long time. And I'm glad that I'm here with you guys sharing your vulnerable story. And I hope that it helps our listeners as well. Absolutely. And if you need some help getting started, we have a free resource over at beyond-enough.com forward slash step one. And that's one, the number. It provides the first key steps to healing your relationship, regardless of how tough things are right now. All right, guys, let's roll. All right, guys, let's review. Uh, If you haven't yet, jump over to iTunes, leave us a review. You can rate us, and it might be your review that we read on the next podcast. Love to hear from you. This one's called Not Even Married. It says, I love this podcast so much. I'm 19 years old. And this is my favorite podcast to listen to, though I am not married, so I have not gone through what some of you have. I do know what it's like to have someone do something to hurt your feelings. I do not. Um, I did not grow up in a household of healthy relationships until this podcast. I wasn't sure how a relationship could function and how to strengthen one. After every episode I listen to, I find myself and my relationships to be stronger, better and happier. Oh, that's so cool. At 19. Dang. I love that review. Wow. You know, it makes me think of, I had a, a cousin come up to me who, who hasn't been betrayed or, but she's like, I love your podcast. It's changed our marriage. It's helped us so much. And just gets me thinking like, you know, a 19 year old who's not married, it's helping her. You know, if anyone's out there, you're listening to our podcast, it's branded very specific, obviously. But if you hear an episode that will help anybody, I believe our podcast is good for any marriage. So um, yeah, share it, please. Yeah. A lot of the recovery work we do and share is really basic marriage skills, right? That a lot of us weren't raised with and weren't aware of. So I agree. Uh, And thank you for that. I wish, I don't have many regrets, but I do wish I would have been more proactive at age 19 to say, hey, I need to get educated on what a healthy relationship looks like. So well done. Um, All right, so I'm excited today because we have a special guest. Uh, We have Jessica with us who has been finding her way into moving beyond betrayal and finding that hope uh, of doing recovery for herself. And she's willing to come and share her own voice today with with all of you, which is a big deal. It's a huge deal. Um, vulnerable, very and vulnerable, and maybe a little nervous. And so, um, I just want to first recognize and and thank you for doing what you're doing today, so that so many other people can see there is no one way of doing this, and we all have such different stories, and yet we all kind of feel very similar in the same. So, thank you for helping others feel not alone today. Okay, should, should we just fire away? Let's, let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, Jessica, why don't you give us a little bit of background, just maybe a little bit of your story and, you know, how, you know, what happened in terms of betrayal trauma and how you've come to kind of this point. Well, I've been married for 17 years. 
and um, together for 20 with my husband. Um, the porn, he has been addicted to porn pretty much our entire marriage. Um, he's had some success here and there, and then he would kind of relapse and go back to it. I didn't really discover the use until about year five. And um, honestly, at that point, I was um, in the midst of raising young kids and I just didn't know how to deal with it. So I just kind of buried it, shoved it under the rug and he was okay with that. And we just kind of went on. And then about 2015, things started to get worse in that area as far as me noticing more and more of his usage of porn and discovering things on the computer, the tablet, his phone. Um, and just, I started to realize how it was affecting me emotionally and physically. And, and so I confronted him and you know, things would be good for a while and we do really well and we go to a marriage conference and we'd get on the same page and he'd have some success and then he would relapse again. And um, fast forward to about um, April of this year during quarantine, <laughs> you know, the fun quarantine that everybody's had to go through. Um, I discovered yet again um, some photographs that he had been looking at, some pornography. And um, I was just devastated because I felt like we were in a good place. Um, emotionally and physically and spiritually, I felt like we were on the same page. And, and so that really devastated me. And I kind of put my foot down of, I can't live like this anymore. And um, We've just kind of been on a journey ever since. Thank you for that, Jessica. It hits home. I'm sure with many more than just me hearing that and, you know, the stirring up those feelings of something's off and I know this yeah. doesn't feel right. Like pornography in general, like, yeah, that probably isn't a great thing, but I like how you said, I started to notice how it was affecting me. And I'm sure the relationship of disconnection or that blow of feeling like, wait, I thought we were here and turns out we're here. Uh, that's a betrayal in itself. I feel like where it's confusing and um, we lose that trust of self and trust of partner. Um, so uh, I think um, for me, I would love to hear the, the feelings of numbing it out, pushing it away, pushing it down for so long. And that shift for you and finding that, Hey, I don't want to live like this anymore. What was it for you that did you feel a shift? Did you see something that you're like, okay, there's hope out there, or there is a name for something. What was it? Well, I would say at the point of me discovering last April, I was just at the breaking point of something just snapped in me of, I can't do this anymore. This hurts too much. Um, and as far as finding hope, I've just been on a long journey ever since then of searching out podcasts, 
finding you guys, um, finding other podcasts that talked about betrayal, betrayal trauma, and that just learning about betrayal trauma has really opened my eyes to I'm not crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, as for the longest time, like I would have a reaction physically to something. And like, I thought there was something wrong with me. Like I was sick. Like I, I wasn't connecting the dots of what was happening. Like I suffered with migraines for years. And now looking back, I realized it was from me stuffing down those emotions and that pain. Cause I can look back now and go, you know, this happened, then this happened, and then I had a horrible migraine. And so, so you it's felt just connecting the dots. You felt, did you feel a little bit kind of crazy? Was, was there a lot of gaslighting or manipulating going on in your relationship or was it all just kind there, of, there was a lot of gaslighting. It was, you know, it's no big deal. You're overreacting. Um, in the very beginning, it was kind of like every guy does it. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's such a cultural norm. You know, pornography is such a cultural norm anymore. And it's, it's so accepted that I kind of bought into that for the longest time. Of, you know, it's not a big deal. It doesn't affect me. It doesn't affect him. It doesn't affect our relationship. And that just was a lie. <laughs> mm-hmm. And how'd you overcome that? I mean, because here it is like, you're the crazy one. You're the one that needs to get over this. And you live that way for so long, but then you start getting these migraines. You start, how do you, how do you finally put your foot down and say, I don't care if you think I'm the crazy one. I don't care if like, this is not working for me and something needs to change. Was it that you were just in enough pain that it was time, time to address it on that level? Well, we had had, we had had some healing, you know, in the last four or five years in this area. But for me, I had stuffed so much of the emotions and the pain. Um, He was kind of at a point where he, it was hard for him to let me talk about it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Mm -hmm. it would be like, you know, stop bringing it up and, um, but that's what I needed in order to heal. But as far as like finally putting my foot down and saying, I can't live like this anymore. I think it just came from a place of realizing I deserved more. I deserved to feel loved. And I wasn't feeling that way because of his addiction. Mm-hmm. I got questions. I could go on and on, okay. but I want to give you guys a chance. Ash and Kobe, do you got any questions? Well, Jess, I, I, one of the questions that I have, Jessica, is um, how did your husband respond when this, this um, was it in April, did you say? Yeah. This year? When, when you finally said, okay, listen, I can't do this and I won't do this anymore. What's his response? It was kind of all over the page. Um, There was a lot of denial at first. And then he came around pretty quickly to realize that something needed to change, that I was serious. Um, 
he, I had talked about, you know, let's go see a counselor. Why don't you go see a counselor? Why don't I go see a counselor? You know, whatever we needed to do to work it out. And he's always kind of been against the whole counseling thing, the whole therapy thing um, for his own reasons. And honestly, for me, it's scary too <laughs> to go and talk to someone you don't know about your problems. And, um, but I felt like that could help us, but it wasn't something that he was willing to do. So what do you, do you think, Jessica, that, um, finally got him to, how did he get to the place of acceptance of like, all right, I'm willing to do this. Well, I don't know that he's to the point of he's ready to do this as far as traditional recovery, as far as a group and accountability and all of that, because honestly, we're not to that point yet. Um, but he has made huge strides in honesty and letting me share and, you know, being open to that. And we've had hard conversations and a lot of tears and all of that. Okay. So he, so what you're saying is, is he, despite like in the place that he's in right now, currently he's been willing to listen to you and listen to the pain that you have felt. Is that what, am I hearing yes. you correctly? Yes. And he's been doing a lot of reading and, and studying on things of his own um, of just, of different traumas that he's had growing up and how that's affected him and how it's affected our marriage. And so he's growing in a lot of that part. Um, but as far as um, the, like I said, the traditional recovery, we're not but, in that yet. But that's still like, counsel. I don't have a counselor. I don't have a therapist, you know, um, I'm just kind of relying on you guys and, <laughs> you know, different podcasts and, and things to, well, help. It, I mean, just, we listen to you guys together and then it sparks a conversation and that's been the most helpful. It's awesome. So, so that's a huge you deal. You yeah. You're, you're totally welcome. I'm curious as to know what that's like for you though. What does it feel like when he listens to you and you feel heard in your, Oh, brain? it's been like, it's been life changing. <laughs> it's, it's really broken down a lot of walls that I had in the relationship because I had gotten to the point where I was tired of being hurt. And, and really for the longest time, it was hard for me to say, you know, this happened and this happened and this is how it impacted me when you did this. It was really hard for me to open up and even confront that. I just think what you're talking about is so critical um, for healing in a relationship, which is there's this God, God gave the silver lining and it's this, um, the betrayed needs to process pain to heal. They, they, they need to, they need to step into it. They need to feel it. They need to talk about it. And oftentimes the, the addicted has a hard time because of their shame allowing that pain in the relationship um so that that's when they they turn the tables they defend they they go to fix it mode they do all these things but when the addicted shows the the capacity to empathize to hold space two things happen 
um, it actually supports her in her healing because she's processing her pain. She's, she has somebody who's helping her explore it. Um, but the second thing that it does is start to rebuild trust in the relationship because now he's being a safe person who actually is showing up for me in a really vulnerable, intimate way. And it helps to rebuild that trust. So I, I love the smile that you had when Kobe asked you that question and you said, it's been life-changing. And another, another point I want to make, and, and, and I'll shut up and let you talk some more, Jessica, but um, is, and this might sound contradictory to some of the things that we've said. I'm, I'm a big believer in specialized therapy. I've developed therapy group systems, um, programs. I'm a therapist myself. But, you know, if, if a person goes and stands on their head every day and it changes their heart and makes them be a, an honest, empathetic, um, authentic person, that's healing. And they don't need to go to a CSAT specifically to work recovery. Um, it's helpful. A good therapist will help them get there. But when you say he's not in recovery in the traditional sense, he might not be going to therapy consistently, but it sounds like he's really starting to engage into recovery. That, that's what I'm yeah. hearing. Yeah. I'm so glad you said that too, because there's so many books and podcasts and other things that talk so specifically about, you know, he needs to see a specialized therapist. He needs to go see a counselor. He needs all these different things. And for the wife, if we see that he doesn't have that in place, it discourages discourages us so much. I know for me personally, I would listen to something and read something that talked about that. And I would just be like, well, we're just never going to get there because okay. he's against doing that. But at the same time, I have seen growth and, you know, changes in our relationship. And you've felt humility from him. Yeah. Right. Okay. So I love all of the things that you're saying. And I think our listeners are definitely resonating with what you're saying um, because I know it's more common to be where you're at than to say, Hey, we're doing this together. Right. That's just not the most common way. Um, so you're normal. We all totally, are totally, totally uh, normal. Um, but what I love here and something you told us is he has to want his own healing. I cannot make him. And so I think it's super normal. Yeah. We always, you know, here, if I want to build trust, if I want him to be in recovery, he's got to check these boxes right here. Uh, like, like we were talking about, but the truth is like Prennan said, trust is built in these really weird. He didn't say this, but I think in weird moments that you don't think are trust building moments. And so for me, when Kobe, he still does this today where I will share like, Hey, this is where my head went. When you told me, this, or when I saw this, even a simple phrase, like that makes sense why you would think that. And I'm sorry, yes. something that small can be like, okay, I'm not crazy. He's empathizing and validating that that's, that's my story right then. But he's also giving me space to explain and to say, help me find truth here. Um, and I love that but that is constant with Kobe. And the cool thing is I see. It feels really rote for me too. And I'm like, that makes total sense. I got to come up with some more one-liners. It's but not like I'm being it cheesy. Works and though. <laughs> like I get that but it's rote, it does make sense. But we're, and we're doing this dance, but it works for me. And yeah. it still builds trust for me. So I don't care that it's something that you, you know, 
automatically say that's better for me than saying nothing or defending. So, um, I will say this, one of the girls that I hired to run one of my groups, her husband's never done traditional therapy. Uh, but she has continued to do her own work just like you were doing. And he has kind of stepped into, she leads the way and she's like, Hey, listen to this thing I learned. And he, you know, they'll do things together. And he, he sees the value in, Hey, let's, let's learn how to have boundaries around having an argument. Let's make up some rules. It's like basic things that they're doing together that he steps into instead of runs away from. And it's been this really beautiful way that they've been able to work recovery very different, but also accept each other where they're at. Like she really loves group and, and therapy and the programs. And he's like, I'm going to just really do my own thing and, and do this with you. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. I, I think that's a really key piece on this to, to remember. And I, I do want to give props to, to you and your husband, but, but the fact that he's not, he's not ready yet. And that's how I would say it. Like he won't do, no, no, he's just not ready yet. He's not there yet. Recovery. And I've said this a number of times on the podcast, but recovery is willing to meet us all where we are. Just like I believe God is willing to meet us all where we are. And what that means is, is that, that we live in a day and an age where information is so accessible. The cool part is, is it's not just information, but for us in this particular arena, it's a lot of research. It's a lot of personal experience. Um, it can be anecdotal um, evidence. It can be scientifically, you know, researched evidence that all can help us to improve as human beings and to connect. And I'll tell you, some of the stuff that your husband's probably reading is stuff that I did, um, maybe year two and maybe year three, in um, in 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 recovery. I can promise you this, Jessica. The fact that your husband's willing to just sit in and listen to you. It's something that I couldn't do probably to like year three. I mean, I probably did, but maybe not so successfully because my tolerance for discomfort was what did I, I okay, it just didn't exist. We'll just say it like that. Because <laughs> oh, yes. I just couldn't sit in the fact that Ashton was disappointed with me. I couldn't handle yeah. that. And so the fact that he's willing well, to be there for you, Jessica, that's so brilliant. So it's taken a lot of years too. I mean, we've, we've gone through the same thing where it, it was too painful for him not to say that it's not painful now, but he's willing to go through that pain to help me. And for me to realize that like, that's a huge um, trust builder for me to realize that he's willing to be uncomfortable so that I can get it all out respectfully, you know, um, to just tell him how I'm feeling that's, that's been huge. Well, I've heard you say, Brandon, that recovery work is learning to sit in discomfort, right? Uh, yep. Because we're, we're, when we have the addiction, we're just avoiding and numbing with that addiction. Yep. And so that's a really great skill set to be mindful enough to sit in that. Can I ask a question right down those lines, Ashlyn, you, you, so Ashlyn and I, in our program beyond betrayal, um, we, actually, I should say God working through us um, had us put in there many opportunities to step into pain and to process pain. Um, and, and understanding that a lot of betrayal trauma recovery is about, is about grief. It's about coming to terms with what is. And so my question for you, Jessica, is what did that look like for you? 
as you stepped into the anger, to the sadness, to the, to the grief of it? Um, how did you process that and what, what did it look like? Oh gosh. Um, well, when I decided to do that program beyond the trail, I was really scared because I was afraid of the anger that was going to come up. I was afraid it was going to make things worse. Your anger. Is that um, what you mean? My anger. And I was afraid he wasn't going to be able to handle um, me finally expressing it. And, you know, but we had a long talk about, you know, if he needed to go sleep on the couch, he would, <laughs> he didn't have to, but you know, he was willing to do anything that I needed him to do. If I needed space, he was going to give me space. And, um, that really helped. But as far as like sitting in the pain, the biggest thing for me was when you, when, um, one of the papers, one of the homework is the timeline of loss and betrayal. That one, I sat down before I started on the paper and I said, okay, God, I want you to get all of this pain out of me. Help me to remember every single thing that I've been stuffing. And the stuff that came out, I mean, I have four pages <laughs> front and back of just different events and how it affected me and what I feel like I lost from it. And I was able to just get it all out. And as soon as I was done, as I felt like such a weight had been lifted. Yeah. And then a few days later, I was like, okay, I'm going to have him read it. And I had him read it. And it was really hard for him to read it. But I feel like in doing that, it really helped him see just how much things had impacted me and hurt me. And it's brought a lot of healing, I think, being able to just lay it all out there. Yeah. You said that you used to just be a stuffer, like you just stuff it and just try to get through and pretend like things weren't there. And then here you are doing the opposite thing. Um, timelining out everything, looking at it, uh, the pathway, you know, past something is to go through it and good for you. Talk about courage. Um, not, not easy. And it brings up a lot of emotions. So good job, Jessica. That's a big deal. And what was the, what would you say the impact was for him re in reading your list? What was the I impact on him? I think it opened his eyes more than ever before to just how much pain his addiction had caused. Cause I think for the longest time he kind of was in denial um, just as I was of how much it was truly affecting me and affecting us. That's a big deal. Um, that is a really big deal because it's interesting when, when in that place of denial, which I own, I mean, I've been there, got that shirt and the mug and all those things for, for years and years. <laughs> got the medal. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I think the, I think the really interesting thing about that is, is that when I was there in Ashland, you would bring up whatever pain, whatever hurt, whatever betrayal, 
it was it was um, like a one-off that my denial that my spike narrative turning the the denial right could easily just shoot out of the sky like I was you know shooting skeet and and so I could my denial could handle one-off situations. Say more about what you mean. What what I mean is 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 the denial that I the, the depth of denial that I was in would allow me to handle a one-off. Oh my gosh, I can't believe you, you know, looked at porn here, you acted out here. I could handle those one-off things, but that's different than than sitting down and reading through a mm. timeline okay. of hurts because because I can only I'm just guessing. I'm like riffing here, right, Brandon? So I'm going to need your your help on this. But what I'm what I'm what I'm really surmising from this is that pretty much every every person that I've worked with in recovery would would read a timeline like yours, Jessica, and realize I can't battle this. I can't battle this list of pains and hurts. And maybe the only person that could would be like a narcissist or something like that. And um, but but really though, to sit down and, and read that. Um, would have such deep impact. And um, I'm just really thankful that, Jessica, you took that assignment as seriously as you did to the extent of not just writing it, but also having your your hubs read it. Because that that pain, as hard as that is, and it's the worst kind of pain, to know that you've, through like just deep-seated weakness hurt the one that you love the most without direct there's there's indirect um intention but it's not direct it's not rare was it like i want to hurt you because work is so stressful that's not how it plays out in the mind of the betrayer it's not and so to give him the gift of just really understanding despite how much pain it causes is is awesome and i want you to know this too the impact of writing it for you i'm sure it was probably so deep and meaningful but to have him read it versus having it in a conversation again brilliantly done brandon and ashlyn to have it written because a dialogue it would be lost like there's no way that I could have handled anything that was spoken like that, but to read it yep. would have profound impact. I'm just so happy that you got to that you that you took that so seriously, and that he received it in the way that he needed to. It's it's that probably did way more good for him than what you'll probably ever know, simply because it's your way. It's not your way of saying here's my list and I'm out. You jerk. It's, I love you enough to say, this is how much it hurt me, but I'm still here. That's, exactly. that's just generous. Um, you know, I, I, God does not let us off the hook. And so if there's some, some learning there, some opportunity, um, we can be in some denial and be like, la-di-da, like, um, don't want to look at that pain over there. And what happens is that pain starts to cause us some suffering until we're able to face the reality. And, and when we face that reality and we sit in it and we feel it, 
um, we learn, we grow. And Jessica, I loved what you said. A weight was lifted. That is the goal. That is the goal is, is for you to have the courage enough to face what is, to deal with it. And then that's when God takes it. That's when, that's when the relief comes and, and it gets surrendered over and you're, and, and you've learned from that thing. Um, it's awesome to hear that, that you did that. Now, after that was done, um, everything doesn't just fall right into place. Like all of a sudden it's perfect, right? There's still work to go, right? So what are some of the things you're working on now in, in your marriage and in your recovery? Um, well, we make it a point to talk about different things that are triggering um, each of us. Like if we're out and about or, you know, even if we're home and something's on the television or, you know, he says something um, before we wouldn't talk about triggers. I don't really think we even realized that what a trigger was or what was happening. Um but just being able to have those discussions of, okay, this is triggering me. And then him saying, okay, what can I do different? And being willing to do that. Um, another thing is, like I mentioned before, we're listening to podcasts together, which then um, helps us to have conversations that maybe we wouldn't normally have. Um, I think what else? Um, we're I, reading I, can I ask you a question? Together. Jessica, can yeah. I ask you a question? In what ways has, <laughs> has this betrayal and this experience of betrayal trauma um, pushed you to work on some of your own stuff, some of your own maybe self-worth stuff, trauma? Um, how has it blessed your life um, because you've been through this experience? It is really... Uh, forced me in a way to um, really deal with some identity issues um, and kind of being codependent um, with my husband and just making me realize that I have things that I need to work on um, aside from the betrayal piece of our relationship. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the uncomfortable and hard work, um, in my experiences yeah. is doing both together and, and separate. Um, so Jessica, I have a question for you. Um, I think most, I mean, we have most of the people that started in our beyond betrayal program. I don't, I think you were in that first wave of, uh, a group who are finishing up now. And I think you said you're on the bonus section and finishing up. Yep. I love hearing that you did the homework and the worksheets um, because that's where like the, the what's my part, right? And the oomph and the hard and the uncomfortable of not just listening like we do on the podcast, but like, I'm going to do this stuff and I'm going to be the buffalo and I'm going to feel the feels and move through it. Um, tell me, you said, you know, you listen to podcasts, you share, um, you shared your timeline. Were you able to have those moments while doing the program? Um, because we definitely left the program, like this is for you and you, there's opportunities to share with your spouse or partner, but it was not required because it very much is like a program just for your own healing. So did you have those moments? Did you choose to do that more than in the timeline? Yeah, I did the um, program on my own. 
And when I got to the grief art portion, when I did the words and then I painted over the words and um, that was the first piece of the program that I showed him was the grief art. And then I was like, well, that was, that showed a big impact on him. So maybe if I have him read the ones that I did before the betrayal letter, the impact letter, the timeline letter, you know, all those different ones. Um, I decided, you know, if I was going to invest the time and the money and <laughs> to do all of that, I might as well, you know, just lay it out on the table. What's the worst that can happen? He might get mad. He might be hurt by it, but it's like, this is the truth that I'm experiencing and I owe it to myself and to him to be honest and be like, okay, this is it. <laughs> this yeah, is, I this is what, what I have right now. I'm willing to work for something better, but this is where I'm at right now. Yeah. I love that. Um, and I think you said something that that hit me because I feel like I wasted a lot of time. I was investing in myself and trying to get better. And then I was withholding so much because I was what, like, whatever it was, my ego, my pride, I was embarrassed. I was ashamed. I don't know, like all the things, <laughs> but, but I was feeling a lot of things about where I was at that I didn't open up that piece of me. So I love hearing you say, I felt this. I, I invested in, so I just decided why not, what do I have to lose at this point? So, um, can yeah. I ask one more question on that? Um, what, yeah. how did you justify investing in yourself after years of, of not, of just like pushing all that pain down? What made you shift that idea? Well, I felt like I was just in a, at a point where I was just ready I was ready for me to feel better, regardless of what he did, regardless of whether or not he got help. And I realized that for so many years, I had spent so much time and so much energy looking for resources and help for him. Mm. But I didn't look for anything to help me. I didn't know to. I didn't know how it was impacting me until just, you know, since April. April or May is when it finally dawned on me of how much it was impacting me and that I needed to find healing regardless of whether of what he decided. Man, that 100% me too. There you go. <laughs> me too. I was very much a like, I found this information for you. Hey, did you know this? Let me tell you the science behind addiction. He's like, oh, and that no was way. all. That was always exactly. That was always such a conversation of tension, and it never ended well. You know, and you may have had a few conversations that went okay, but mm -hmm. for the most part, it's like enough already. <laughs> Jessica, um, can you share a couple more takeaways that you have had thus far in um, in the program Beyond Betrayal that you're doing? I'm just curious as to what else really hits you front and center. What had impact? What do you recall that was like, okay, that was really that was really uh, important to me? There's a lot of material in there, but anything off the top of your head that you're just like, oh yeah, that was really cool. I liked this. Well, the talking about the triggers really helped. It helped me to 
recognize them. But then also the letter to um, to God or your higher power. Um, I wrote my letter to God and I thought when I started it that it was going to be this gripe session, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that I was going to be, I thought I was going to write it of, I went into thinking I was going to write it being mad at God, you know, mm -hmm. for this whole situation. And we're here again. And, but it, it turned into this letter of thankfulness for all the things, all the resources that he brought to me so that I could get some healing. I still wow. have a long way to go, a long, long way to go. But I just, through writing that letter, I was able to see how God had put things in my path and guided me to things that would not only help me, but would help my husband. And it was things that my husband would be open to, like hearing another man mm -hmm. instead of a woman. It's been huge on, on your guys' podcast. You know, it's, it's been really special to see him impacted just as much as I am through hearing your story. Jessica, I, you say you have a long way to go, but I want to say that you've done you've done some of the hardest work already. And, um, you know, I just, I just really admire, I, I admire a lot about you in terms of you, you followed through, you did the homework, you've, you've, you've experienced some healing. Um, and I, my question for you is, you know, like I did an intake today, a, a woman who found out everything a month ago and just her whole world just, crashed and burned a month ago. Um, I talked to other women who know their husbands are addicted, but they're in denial about it and they don't want to deal with it. And they, you know, they're just not, they don't want to face it. Um, if you could say something to those women struggling, um, what advice would you give? What would you say? I wish I would have taken it seriously sooner. I wish I wouldn't have tried to bury it and explain it away and it, I feel like it caused more damage doing that to both of us and to our relationship um, but it's worth it's worth the heartache it's worth the hard conversations it's worth the tears it's worth being mad at each other I mean there there was a lot of nights that <laughs> We went to bed and he was on one side of the bed and I was on the other side of the bed and we were both crying because we we're just like so broken and didn't know how to fix it. And I can so identify with that. Sorry, Brandon, but I'm like, fine. wow, we have so been there. Mm -hmm. And trust me when I say, Jessica, that you and your husband are not alone in those nights. And those are, it's interesting, right? And those nights when we're on the other side, opposite sides of the bed and just, just dying inside with, with facing the pain, as much as that's just so devastating and so painful, it's the thing that, that it's the thing that I never did, right? It's the thing that I never gave myself permission to do. It's never the thing that I knew I ought to do, which is to face the hard things because I was so good at numbing the hard things. So, um, 
man, there's just, there's so much good in this. And, and I appreciate the insight that you've, that you've shared as far as the piece of advice for the, those who've been betrayed. So I'm going to ask you, what would be your piece of advice based upon your experience with your hubs? What would be the piece of advice you'd give to the, the person who has betrayed, who is in that place where they're just battling, they're, they're listening right now. What would you share with them? the person who has betrayed? I would just say be open to listen, to just listening. Even if it's something that's really hard to hear, you know, no one wants to hear how they've screwed up, how they've hurt their partner. But giving your partner that space to cry and giving that space for your partner to just fall apart in your arms and not take it personal. I mean, that's, that's been the one thing that has really helped my husband and I is he's been understanding in those moments where I'm just like, I'm getting triggered left and right. I like, (laughs) like this is hard. And he is sincerely sorry and broken over it just as much as I'm. I am. And for the husband that wants to change, or for the spouse that wants to change, wants to make things better, that's a first step to just listen. Not say anything, not defend yourself, but just listen. That's beautiful. I love that. That's beautiful. Well said. Thank you so much, Jessica, for uh, giving a voice to the world and to being able to say, Hey, my story's a little different and there's still hope and there's still success in the way that you guys are doing this. And I love that. And I appreciate your vulnerability today in being here with us. Um, thank you, Jessica. Yeah. Can't thank you enough. Thank you so much. And thanks to your husband. Yeah. I know this was like, this was a choice that both of you made Mm -hmm. to, to have you share like this. And it is always, the courageous decisions that are that are that that are super vulnerable that have such great impact so trust me when i, I say was he- i was hesitant and it was him that was like you need to share you know oh, this good might help someone and, <laughs> and like i'm like are you sure <laughs> good for him but i think i think my hesitancy has been, I've carried my own shame over mm-hmm. this yep. feeling alone. Um, Cause I haven't really shared this with a lot of people in my life because it it's isolating and you do feel shame over it. Like it's your fault oh, and, yeah. um, that you're not enough. And you know, how are people going to view you if they knew your husband struggles with that? Um, so I can't thank you guys enough for allowing me to come on here because I feel like it's, it's given me just another layer of healing, just accepting, um, that I'm not alone and that I can embrace, embrace where we're at now and embrace where we've been. Thank you. Thank you. And, uh, 
you speak a lot of truth and I appreciate that voice um, because it's important for us to hear from other people and um, you've done it. So thank you. Thank you. Um, I am going to end with a um, announcement of some sort. Um, If you head over to beyond-enough.com slash Black Friday, we're bringing back Beyond Enough. We closed that program down when we launched it and let the group finish it up. Um, we're bringing it back. We've had a lot of people saying, well, why isn't it available right now? Um, so we're bringing a big sale for all of our programs. So whether you're looking for something to do as a couple or on your own or just something fun, we have our 30-day challenge that will also be on sale. It's a dollar a day. Um, so head over there. Um, I think uh, the site will be live uh, when this podcast comes out, but it's beyond-enough.com slash Black Friday. So Thank you so much for being here and for sharing. Thanks, Jessica. Thank you.